Hey folks, just a quick note here. This week we wanted to offer up a preview of the incredible stuff we're doing over on our Patreon. In lieu of a regular episode, we wanted to give you the first episode of our Book vs. Book series. For this episode, Brian and Paul picked two books for each other featuring girl gangs. Assassinistas by Tini Howard and Gilbert Hernandez, and Heavy Vinyl by Carly Ustin and Nina Vakuva. We hope you enjoy this Book vs. Book episode, and we will see you next week when we chat with David Pepos, writer of the series Spencer and Locke from Action Lab Comics. If you want to hear more of this kind of stuff, make sure you head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash ircbpodcast. Supporting us for $1 or more a month gets you access to our slowly building backlog of Patreon-only episodes, as well as a bunch of other stuff. As always, thank you for listening and supporting our show. Talk to you next week. Welcome to the I Read Comic Books Podcast. Uh, this is a special mini-episode. I'm your host for this mini-episode, Paul Jaisley, joined uh, by Brian Murray. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Um, and we are here to discuss uh, two books. This is our book versus book format show where we each picked a book for the other person to read, and then we join here to tell you, the listeners, what we thought of those books. So, uh, Brian, I figured we could start by maybe introducing the books that we chose for each other. If you want to explain why and what you picked for me and then i'll do the same and then we can jump into discussing them sure sounds great for paul i went ahead and picked hi-fi fight club or heavy vinyl as it later came to be titled um Mm -hmm. this is basically a book about a well you could call them a girl gang i guess (laughs) who work out of a record shop in the 90s record slash music store and then in their off time they fight crime um Mm -hmm. I picked it because the the combination of like the the '90s aesthetic and the working out of like a music store just kind of felt like a a thing that Paul would like to me. You know that, given your your self self proclaimed status as an aging hipster, it was uh, <laughs> something that seemed like it might be up your alley. That it's I just thought it was a a really fun, cute book when I read it. So I thought it might be something you'd dig. Well, yeah, I will, I'll go into more detail about that, but you chose wisely because, uh, of course, I did work at a record store after I graduated high school. Um, this book is set in 1998. It was a few years later that I did that. So, yeah, it spoke kind of directly to me. So, yeah, uh, good good choice. Um, uh, and for Brian, I chose the book Assassinistas. Uh, that is written by Teeny Howard with art by Gilbert Hernandez. And published by IDW, their Black Crown imprint. And I really like this book. It was one of my favorite miniseries from last year. And I thought, given Brian's um, taste in comics, I know he likes um, uh, Giant Days, books with sort of an ensemble casts. I thought this would be a good book because it is uh, about a group, again, a girl gang in some sense, <laughs> a group of assassins who worked together in the 70s and 80s. They sort of uh, disbanded or were estranged from each other. And this book is about them kind of getting back together to um, rescue a baby that one of them had kidnapped, if that makes sense. Um, It's a complicated book in some regards, but it's a book about, I think, friendship and family and reconnecting with people and um, memories in that sort of that regard, sort of a, a communal, familial sort of book that involves, you know, assassins. So oddly enough, the two books sort of uh, are related in that regard. I think secret underground girl gangs, yeah. um, you know, so. And I was an assassin uh, after high school, so. Oh, well, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> see. <laughs> um, 
So I don't know. Do you want to start by discussing uh, sort of your reaction to Assassinistas? I'm very curious to hear what you thought about it. Sure, sure. Um, the first thing I noticed is that I did love the premise. That was definitely, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you shot up my alley with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, especially I like the way it sort of, it kind of flips the script on this idea of the story of you can't escape your past. Because normally mm-hmm. when we see that in, in movies or comics, it's usually about, you know, some tough brooding John Wick type who got away from the life, but the life won't leave you alone. Whereas in this case, it's a group of women who by and large seem to have been very successful in leaving the life behind. And it's not until the daughter of one of their estranged members sort of returns to the fold that Mm -hmm. we get them dragged back in. Um, And this is going to be a heavy spoiler episode. I've already, oh yeah, yeah. I've already yeah. revealed like a main <laughs> plot point, so it's a little late. <laughs> yeah, but you oh, well. know, this is Iron Comic Books. You kind of got to expect that from us by now. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I what's interesting is I think that the the book uh, Assassinistas, you know, the main character is Octavia, this woman who's who's the assassin, and you know, you mentioned that it's the daughter of one of her former me- or former um, associates who uh, kidnaps a baby. The book, to me, is really about that idea of like lineage and family, and like yes, they've left their their assassin life behind, but they've started families. Octavia has a son, but his her son gets you know swept up in it, and like he joins up with her and basically becomes a team with her and uh, his boyfriend. They kind of team up to uh, go rescue the 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 baby that's been kidnapped, and I like the idea of the what the parents have done affects their children, but it's not really in a negative way. You know what I mean? There's a positivity to that in the book that I really enjoyed. Yeah, definitely. Because it's one of those things where you can see like the ways in which their assassinista lifestyle was negative in a sense, but it was also a positive experience for them. Like both from a financial perspective and from a familial establishing kinship perspective. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, and the the book does an interesting job, I think, of doing flashbacks to their previous life, but it's never very heavy handed. Like you see like quick scenes of them being assassins, but more of the flashbacks are about how the they sort of um, broke up. You know, they were a team mm-hmm. that worked together. And of course, life intervenes. One of them gets pregnant, um, has a child, and the group sort of falls apart. But you, that's teased out throughout the six issues. I, I like the idea that the story, even though it's sort of an action story, it very slowly reveals the relationships between the characters over the course of the six issues. So it makes it a really engaging read in that regard. Yeah, yeah. The the flashbacks were very well done. It was never like an exposition dump. It was always dropping you into an interesting scene from that time period. Mm-hmm. And I will say that uh, Gilbert Hernandez did an excellent job of conveying the time period differences because right. I definitely felt like the seventies very strongly. <laughs> like, you, you flash back there. There's people in bell bottoms and Octavia has the giant Afro. It's, it definitely felt like everything that I've seen in like media from that time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, should also mention that a large part of um, the flashbacks involved them at a roller disco, you know, so that's <laughs> also, you know, aesthetically right up my alley. So. Yeah. Yeah, that cracked me up when uh, there's a scene where Octavia goes back to that disco and Mm -hmm. she lights up a cigarette and the person there is like, hey, you can't smoke in here. And it just kind of goes to show like how like returning to an old place like that can Mm -hmm. throw you back in that mindset because 
I feel like we're at a point in time where obviously you can't smoke inside. Like mm-hmm. that seems like a given to me, but <laughs> right, right. There was a time when that wasn't the case, right? Yeah, and that's uh, it. There's a a sense of like nostalgia to it that I think is really interesting too. And it, it, I, I'm always interested in stories that look at nostalgia in a, a in a mixed light. It, like in some regards, this book helps get the members of the Assassinistas team back together, right? So it's in one regard, it's a positive story. But at the same time, like we're saying, this idea that the that you can never go back to that past. It's never going to be the same. And of course, they bring their kids into it and it becomes a very messy situation. Where in the past, we see that, uh, you know, their relationship sort of dissolved. It's never going to be back the way it was. I, I like the idea that Teeny Howard as a writer sort of uses that story to criticize the idea of, yeah, the, the past, it maybe wasn't as good as you remember it. And that's why you should never go back there. Yeah, for sure. And you can, I definitely agree on the point of like their, their families are sort of being dragged into it. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Octavia's son, Dominic does point out several times that I mean, his, his words were, I didn't ask to be born, but you can kind of <laughs> right. extrapolate that out into, I never asked to be in this situation, but here I am having to deal with your past. Right. Right. It, but again, at the same time, it makes, I think it makes them it makes their relationship stronger going through this together, you know, and yeah. the idea that, you know, Dominic has a boyfriend, he kind of comes out to Octavia as being gay, and that kind of is a strain at first, it seems, in the book, but then that, that brings them all closer together, all three of them, you know, as they go on this mission. And again, the mission involves them trying to, uh, you know, uh, break into someone's compound and steal back a baby that's been kidnapped. The overarching story, I think, is great because you have this classic action movie, you know, set up to tell this very, like, a touching story of familial connection. Yeah, yeah, they did a really good job of of kind of putting those two things next to each other and showing how it's not always that different. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned Gilbert Hernandez's art. I was kind of curious what you made of his art because his he's a very <clears throat> unique style. You know, he does have a very unique style. Um, it's not up my alley, really. It's not okay. It's not an art style that I would pick out, which is. In, in some way, why I'm glad you chose this book, because it kind of gave me a reason to read something that I might have overlooked otherwise. Right. Um, the thing that really stuck out to me was that a lot of the time, a lot of the time, the anatomy seemed a little strange, especially when you get characters <laughs> who had more exaggerated physical features like um, what was his name? Carlos, I think yeah. it was, um, is a very buff dude. And when you see his musculature, it sort of looks like an arm was drawn and then a circle was drawn where the muscle goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which I don't, I don't want to be too critical of, of it because I couldn't do any better, but it's just one of those things <laughs> well, that stood I, out to me. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And I think, well, that's a hallmark of a lot of his work. Um, obviously Gilbert Hernandez is one half of the Hernandez brothers who did love and rockets. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm more partial to his brother Jaime's work. I've always connected to that stuff more and I like his art style better, but, I I think Gilbert is arguably a more interesting cartoonist because his style it looks so simple and at times almost childlike. Like you're talking about the sort of drawing the mus the muscles and the body shapes and stuff. But his sense of action and character, you know, the, every character has a unique style to them, mm-hmm. not just in the way they're dressed, but their facial expressions. And the action sequences are like perfectly plotted out, even though they look very simple. The story reads very. Um, very easily in that regard. And I think 
having an ensemble cast, it can be difficult to differentiate characters, but I, I, I think it's a strength of his cartooning to be able to do that while at the same time looking very simple. Yeah, absolutely. Every one of these characters had their own distinct look. And <laughs> there were several times when uh, an, an expression on Taylor's face would have me cracking up because, <laughs> you know, he, he, gave, he gave Taylor a very expressive look. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he has to draw some unique stuff, you know, um, the, like I mentioned, the action sequences. I His Love and Rocket stuff is very like like a soap opera or like a telenovela. So I wasn't sure how well he would handle, you know, a sort of action movie based plot. But it does. It works really well. Like I, I thought it was very well done. And then, you know, later on in the book, he has to draw an iguana. And I think I love the way he draws that iguana for some reason. Yeah. That stuck out to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. What was the iguana's name? I'm drawing a blank <laughs> you know, on I'm it. Blanking. Yeah, yeah, me too. But uh, I, I just love like the the introduction of this random ass iguana that the little <laughs> kid Kyler, who was kidnapped, just sort of takes on as as his own. <laughs> There's yeah, a, yeah. A scene where like they're both like child and iguana are both sticking their tongues out at each other that I <laughs> stuck in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what made the book stand out to me is that little moments like that. I. I think this might have been the first book by Teeny Howard that I read, and those little character moments, little interactions like that, stood out big time. I obviously picked the book up because of the uh, Gilbert Hernandez connection, but um, I ended up really enjoying Howard's art, uh, Howard's writing, and she's definitely become a creator that I've sought out other books she's written because of the, the strength of this one. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm probably gonna have to do the same. I like uh, described as a uh, writer and swamp witch, I believe, in the the back matter. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> so my kind of person. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I figured that would speak right to you. So yeah. I'm glad that you enjoyed the book. Do you have any um, any other thoughts or would you recommend it to the, the listeners? I would definitely recommend you take a, take a look at it. You might not like it. It's <laughs> it's one of those things where I think that there are going to be people who love this book and there are probably going to be people who hate this book. Um, all in all, I fall into the former category. I thought it was a really fun read. Um. The only other thing that confused me and kind of threw me, took me out of it was I had some trouble suspending my disbelief at times. Sure. Um, sure. Especially with, in regards to Taylor and his motivations. I didn't really <laughs> understand why as a vegetarian pacifist, he was so gung ho to help this assassin with her mission. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that. Cause I, I, that sort of character development was kind of interesting to me the idea that you know dominic's boyfriend is a pacifist a vegetarian but uh he seems like i think this i that speaks to the idea of like wanting to be involved a part of a group you know that sort of sense of this is a way for him to connect with his boyfriend and his boyfriend's mom in a in a in a unique way and i do like the idea that um they made sure to give him a gun that just had like tranquilizer darts not actual bullets yeah to, to satisfy his uh pacifism yeah, yeah, no, it was it was a good way of showing how you know sometimes when you love someone you you go outside of your comfort zone for them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, cool. I, I'm glad you dug it. So, um, let's talk about heavy vinyl. Yeah. So this is the book you chose for me. Uh, this was from Boom Comics, correct? Yeah, Boom. Yep. Um, written by Carly um, Austin with art by Nina uh, Vakuva. I think I'm saying that right. Um, and yeah, this was set, like I said, in 1998, um, a group of girls working at a music store at the time, back when people, you know, 
bought music physically at a store. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it turns out the new girl working there discovers um, that the other members of the, the other, her coworkers are part of a, uh, a girl gang, basically a fight club that, uh, you know, doles out justice um, when they see things done wrong. Like, so in this book, this story is that uh, there's a band supposed to do an in-store appearance at the record store. Uh, the lead singer appears to have been kidnapped and they have to go find her. So yeah, I, I, I'm glad that we both picked books that are sort of um, thematically and narratively similar. That's yeah. That kind of worked out that yeah, way. Yeah, we did not coordinate that. That just kind of worked out. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Um yeah, so like I mentioned, this book kind of spoke to sort of my own personal experiences. I did work at a record store, uh, somewhat similar to this one. Um, actually, no. If you've seen the movie High Fidelity, it's probably closer to that experience. There was no, uh, <laughs> it wasn't a run by all women, and it wasn't a, didn't have a girl uh, fight club in the basement. But more um, of a sad John Cusack vibe. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, you can imagine me as a uh, 20, 20 year old working at a record store. That was kind of the vibe there. So, um, but. I did like the way that uh, the writer, Carly um, uh, Austin, set that scene, like using that the, the setting of the record store as a way to have the characters interact with each other and have the characters um, uh, be developed and have you get a sense of what they're like. You have different archetypes there. We have a one girl, uh, Dolores, who's a goth, uh, another girl who's, you know, more of the pop uh uh, into pop music and like the different styles of music at the time. And the idea of a record store being a place where you can find yourself. I think that that speaks to my experience of being, uh, working there and shopping at record stores my whole life. Uh, that's a sense of you can discover some, something new that speaks to you in a way by being in that environment. You know, it's, it's similar to a good comic shop in that regard where, you know, it's a place where you can be yourself and discover something new. Yeah. Um, and you know, story wise, I did like the uh, the reveal of the Fight Club. You get um, the main character. Um, I'm blanking on her name, of course, now. Uh, but sort of the the new girl working at the store. She's your guide into this world. You get to see her get over her uncomfortableness of being the new girl at the store to uh, finding her place there. All that stuff is really well done. I think the the plot itself maybe was a little simplistic. The idea of, you know, the lead singer of the band being kidnapped and the way they find out felt a little sort of uh, fast-paced or a little, like, rushed to me. Yeah. I don't know if you had that I, sense either. I definitely got the feeling that this was meant to be a longer ongoing series, and then mm -hmm. they got canceled at the end of issue two, and were given two okay. more issues to wrap everything up. Um, I don't know um, if that's what happened or not, but that's certainly certainly how I felt reading it. That explains all that would explain a lot. It's definitely the pacing of the book changes there after the second issue. Um, they, they track down the lead singer of the band Stegosaurus, um, which is a weird band name. I got <laughs> as a side note, I thought, I thought that, uh, overall the capturing of the late nineties aesthetic was done pretty well. It wasn't very heavy handed, you know, there's a few odd references. Like I think at one point they mentioned watching the new show Buffy, you know, and then there's, uh, some of the music references. They talk about Lauren Hill and, uh, the Spice Girls. Yeah. So, occasionally like, it seems a little forced almost like, no, yeah, we're, we're in the yeah. late nineties. So let's make sure to mention <laughs> everything that might resonate with somebody. Uh, it, so there's that, but I also think the the aesthetic of the book didn't try to capture that too much. I thought the the way the clothes that people wore were you know 
didn't feel too dated or didn't feel like costumey trying to be like the late nineties. Although I don't know. Are we nostalgic for 1998 yet? Has that happened? I think we're getting I guess it's been 20 years. So, okay. (laughs) Um, so, but, uh, I did feel that the book did change, uh, tone pretty quickly after the second issue and it ends on a huge cliffhanger, you know, they don't actually resolve anything, you know, and the last panel is them deciding, Hey, let's start a band. Yeah. So that I, I do want to see that story. Maybe if the book comes back at some point, I'd love to see the, the follow up there. But, um, I, I think for me, what worked the best was the character interactions and getting the sense of, you know, someone who's 17, starting a new job, trying to figure out their place in the world and what they like aesthetically, musically. Um, you also have the issue of the the new girl at the store has a crush on one of the girls who works there and they have a budding sort of romance startup. You know, all that stuff was really well done, I thought. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you like that because the character interplay was definitely the thing that sold me on this book as well. Much much like Giant Days, which if I'm on an episode, you know I'm going to mention Giant Days. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Just the, the the way these characters interact with each other felt very real to me. You know, it it, mm-hmm. it seemed natural. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you had a similar experience with it. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 they, um, they definitely related to each other the way that teenagers do at that time. You know, when you're 17, 18, trying to figure yourself out, it, it felt very true to life in that regard. Um, the artwork, again, like your reaction maybe to Assassinistas, my reaction to this, this isn't the type of artwork that it, I would immediately gravitate towards. It's not exactly my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very manga-influenced, it felt like to me, yeah. based on a little bit of manga I've read. Yeah, definitely. with the, the Especially like with the, the pointed chins and things like that, mm-hmm. the sharp lines on a lot of the characters. I, I can definitely see that influence as well. Uh, in that regard, it worked because I thought that the facial expressions and did a good job conveying what was going on, you know, and again, it sounds like you're damning with faint praise when you say this, but having a, a group of characters that all look and feel different when they're drawn, that's not always the easiest thing to do. And I, I felt like they accomplished it with this book too. Like it, it was a thing where you could tell each character right away. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I've read a lot of comics where that's not the case. So, you know, that is, is not something to be taken lightly when it comes to drawing comics. Yeah. And each character, you can kind of tell a bit about their personality from the way they're, they're dressed and the way they present themselves. And I feel like those yeah. personalities come through pretty clearly in this. Yeah. I, I, in that regard, I liked it. And I felt like the art actually got, um, maybe a little stronger as it went on, even though I, I mentioned that the tone of the book sort of changes. I felt like that sort of character work improved as this, over the course of the issues. Um, my big hang up though was um, there were moments where maybe it was like an action scene. I think in the last issue, there's like an action scene where they're breaking into a building to trying to find the, the kidnapped lead singer from Stegosaurus and they get surprised by someone behind them and a confusing moment. Um, the page layout, I couldn't quite follow the action. So the, the character work, the character interactions that all works really well, the talking head stuff. But when it came to like some sort of action sequence, it kind of didn't work for me. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It's not as clean and easy to track as Assassinistas, that's for sure. Right. It's one of those things where I think that I just wasn't paying very close attention to it, which is <laughs> okay. the only reason it didn't stand out to me. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to kind of like rush through things, especially when there are whole pages without any dialogue. Right. My eyes okay. tend to just like flick over it pretty quickly. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing that I'm I'm sure as I go back and reread this, I'll probably 
notice now. Yeah. But yeah, it was just it's one of those things that um, it was a cramped page layout. And I just one of those things that, you know, as artists, you know, get more experience, they kind of figure out how to like uh, stage action more cleanly panel to panel. But but like I said, I mean, this is a book that if I maybe if I picked it up and just flipped through it, I might not have um, bought it. But I'm glad I got the chance to read it. And it, it ended up the art ended up kind of growing on me as I went through it. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And we should point out that both of these books are available on Hoopla mm-hmm. for your, through your local library. So if you have access to that, this is a free and easy read for you. Yes, exactly. So it, it makes checking these books out even easier. You have no excuse not to. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, overall, I, I did enjoy this book. I, I can understand why you chose it for me to read. And um, the it is funny, you know, to see someone try to capture that what it was like to be in a record store because i like again i hate to sound like an old man but (laughs) that was a unique experience it was a very formative experience for me going to record stores working at record stores it was something that was a big part of my life and i like the fact that someone took that and made a setting for this book even though the book becomes a sort of you know uh fight club you know kidnapping story the idea of that place being central to the characters, you know, the main character, Chris, I just remember the name, um, (laughs) her finding herself in that place, you know, learning to figure out who she is by listening to music and being exposed to new music. You know, there's a point in the book where, uh, Maggie, the woman that she worked with, who she has a crush on, finds out that Chris doesn't know the band Portishead. She's like, Oh, you got to hear this band puts it on in the store, you know, and that becomes a pivotal moment in some regards for the character that is all stuff that resonates with me. So, um, as, as a book, I think it works in sort of capturing that spirit really well. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Did you ever watch the Netflix series? Everything sucks. Uh, no, no, I don't know that one. It's, it's also set in the late nineties. Also stars a young woman who has a crush on another woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really fun, if only to see all the snacks that they have. <laughs> okay. Where they have, like, like Doritos in that classic, like, the white bag, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, the old, uh, that crazy cherry Coke can. Oh, yeah, you yeah, might yeah. remember from yeah. the late 90s. Mm-hmm. It's similar to how I felt about the fashion in Heavy Vinyl. I feel watching that show. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> Which is like not at all like a deep or interesting way to enjoy something, but it is, you know, I, I got the old dopamine rush of seeing something familiar. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That is interesting. You know, we we talked about nostalgia with regards to uh, Assassinistas, and I think this book because it's you know it's set in 1998. There's no real flashbacks to it, but as a reader, I had flashbacks. You know, because that was you know 1998. I was you know 16. So that's a very pivotal mm-hmm. time in your life at a time when things like music and fashion and, you know, friends, friendship are really important, kind of help define you. So like, yeah, it, I think the book captures that time pretty well, honestly, you know. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. And I think that one of the reasons why I was so drawn to it is that these characters are my brother's age. Okay. And so they're like, they're the cool kids my brother would have hung out with when I was, you know, I was 10 or 11 yeah. when this book took place. Mm-hmm. And so I think that 
I was so drawn to these characters because they were the kind of people I would have looked up to right as a as a kid in the 90s yeah yeah that makes sense yeah um i i will say that uh the fictional band in the book stegosaurus that didn't quite seem to fit the aesthetic for me the the late 90s aesthetic for me you have the problem with with a comic book where you know, there's points where they're listening to music in the store and listening to this band, these songs that don't exist, and you're trying to figure out, like, so what does this band sound like? I never really got a, a sense of what that band sounded like. You know, it's tough to convey in, obviously, a silent medium like comics. And also, like, the band members felt didn't f- look like a band from the late 90s to me. I don't know. Something about that just didn't click for me, but I guess it's a small nitpick, really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, in a, in, a, in a story where it's basically about that, it's certainly yeah something worth bringing up. Yeah, um, I I just assumed they kind of sounded like Weezer. I made that decision right away when I heard the name <laughs> and the way they were drawn. I was like, all right, they probably just sound like Weezer. So with a, a female lead singer. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I I think overall I would recommend this book. I, I think um, I, again a few nitpicks with the artwork, but I, I feel like it's. Uh, artwork that is improving as the book goes on. And obviously I think thing down the road, working out those kinks might not be too, uh, too, uh, too much of a problem for the artist. I think story-wise it is a really good character study. The interactions with the characters, you know, when, when Maggie and Chris, when they're sort of flirting back and forth, it feels very natural and very real. I really enjoyed that. So yeah, if you find it for free on Hoopla, it's definitely worth your time to read it. Yeah. And make sure you check out Assassinistas while you're there. I think that, uh, these are a couple of books that are definitely worth your time. Yeah. And uh, if, again, I think if you like one, you'll probably dig the other. Like, we, again, we didn't plan it, but we have books that are very uh, thematically similar. So definitely both worth your time. So, uh, yeah. Any other concluding thoughts, um, uh, Brian, before we wrap things up here? No, I, I think we've uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of saying everything I had to say, at least. Yeah. Uh, same here. I think uh, th- this worked out. I'm very curious to see how these book versus book episodes uh, turn out um, mainly because I think we have different tastes, but we all know what each other likes pretty much given that we've talked to each other for a few years about comics. Um, so <laughs> it'd be interesting to see if we, someone picks a book that the other person absolutely hates. So I hope, uh, hope the listeners enjoy hearing us talk about that stuff down the road. Yeah. And I hope it's not too uncomfortable for the people who are having that discussion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope it's not me. I hope I don't pick a bad book. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah. So thanks for listening to the show. Obviously, you know where to find us. You can check out um, the show on Twitter at IRCB Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Poly. And Brian, I think you are at Brian Head. I'm at Brian Head. Perfect. Um, you can find the website with show notes and everything there at ircbpodcast.com. Uh, there's also obviously the Patreon site, patreon.com slash IRCB podcast, where you can uh, give us some money uh, to help support the show and you'll get some rewards there. We've got physical stuff like fig- uh, stickers, pins, zines. We also have exclusive audio if you join us there on Patreon. Uh, want to thank Infinity Stred for doing the music for the show, uh, the best band in the world. And of course, we have to thank Xander for editing the show and making us sound smart and cool. Which is a Herculean task. <laughs> it really is sometimes. So uh, we appreciate that. So thank you, Xander. And thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Um, and we'll see you uh, hopefully again soon for another regular episode of I Read Comic Books. Comic Books.